Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Let me read to you our text today. We're on the third week of our Gospel Explained series. Romans chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you judge the practice, the very same things, we know that you, that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things, and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because you are hard, impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory, honor, and immortality. He will give eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath, and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality for all who have sinned without the law, which also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is Not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves even though they do not have the law. That they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on, the, on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for this word. We pray, Lord God, that you would open our hearts, that we might see who you are in the midst of the difficult times we are living in. Lord, tremendous challenges, tremendous tests, tremendous uh, 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 situations, many of us are facing. Yet in the midst of all this, your kindness, your goodness, your graciousness is being poured out in our midst. May we, as your people, see where you are, who you are, and how you're working in our midst. And may you use us as well to reach a world that's in fear today, that's confused, that's hopeless, that's desperate, Lord God. We thank you. May your goodness shine forth in the midst of our difficulty. In Jesus' name, amen. Many years ago, I was an immigrant in Australia. When we left 
our nation, the Philippines at that time, our nation was in uh, not in very good shape. We just uh, we were just getting stabilized from uh, the capital flight that this happened. Our businesses were some of the businesses were closing down. Employment was difficult. There was a bit of unrest all over the place. So we migrated to Australia. When we got there, everything uh, seemed so nice, and uh, it was nice. And it was just a matter of months, uh, a matter of time, I think, uh, before I finally got a job. And while working there for a few months and enjoying the new place, enjoying the new scenery, uh, uh, getting new friends, and uh, enjoying uh, the church as well, I kept hearing uh, uh, basic complaints of my, I would say, my Australian friends. And some of those uh, complaints... Well, we're not really, uh, we're not, uh, how do you call this? Uh, we're not major tests uh, at that time. But I would hear complaints like, um, they would tell me, don't work, too, uh, don't work overtime too much. Because when you work overtime, most of, most of what you earn just goes to taxes. And they were telling me it could even got, come to a point where 60 cents to a dollar of what you earn uh, goes to taxes during uh, overtime and then I would hear things like uh, things like the healthcare system uh, there uh, the healthcare wasn't very ideal uh, they couldn't choose uh, they, they felt like they didn't have a choice where who and when and sometimes the lines take uh, the waiting takes very long uh, I would also hear uh, uh, people saying that uh, uh, that it, it's not fair because uh, private sector uh, only gets four weeks of uh, holiday leave a year while the government workers uh, get six weeks of leave every year. I'm not trying to compare nations. I'm not trying to put any nation down. I'm not trying to uh, criticize anyone or anything. But I realized something that in the midst of challenges and in the midst of difficulties many times in our life, there is as well as, as we face the difficulties, if we can see it, there is as well a blessed side or a blessed reality that's right there as we face the trials. See, for someone like me who came from a place where job opportunities were greatly lacking and friends were losing their jobs, getting the chance to work overtime and earn more despite losing 60 cents to every dollar was freedom. I was so grateful that I, that I can actually get a chance to earn more. Compared it to the limitations or the great limitations of where I came from. I also realized that uh, that when we when we moved to Australia, uh, although I took some time to look around and to see the place, I wasn't really looking for a holiday. I was looking for gainful employment, and I wasn't looking for uh, uh, the most important thing at that time was getting a job. And I realized what a blessing it is that I get a job 
and I get four weeks of vacation leave, leave every year that I can go anywhere and enjoy that time. I also realized that the healthcare, though for some of them, didn't give you much of a choice, I realized what a blessed choice it is coming from where I came from, where your healthcare was dictated by how much money you had. See, these past weeks, our world has been a very, in a very difficult situation. We have faced confusion, frustration, hopelessness, and great fear. There's no denying that we are in a very serious situation. I know and I have a certain degree of understanding of the realities we are facing. And I also see the pain and difficulties and impossibilities that many of our people are facing, especially the less privileged. But I want to bring to the picture another reality that exists in the present, in the presence of our reality today. That there is a blessed reality in the midst of this difficult reality that we are facing today. So let's get back to the scripture we read and our topic for today. Last Sunday's text, and today's text can be really scary. It can be even be discouraging. It can seem like what a wrong topic and to talk about in the midst of this trial and test we're facing as a nation. But the more I read it and the more I studied it, I got really excited about who God is in these verses. I also saw how God has always planned a powerful way out for His people and even for the rest of the world. So here we go as we look into it. Last week was heavy because we had to look at the wrath of God, the topic of the wrath of God. This week, we're still going to look a little bit at it, the wrath of God in a new way. I realized that we have to see the wrath of God in a different way than what I used to or how I used to see it. From last week's text, we see that the wrath of God is revealed. This week, we see it again in verse 5. It says, But because of your hard, impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. One of the difficulties is the fact that when we hear the word wrath and connect it with God, it seems to be a contradiction of who He is. But I found out that the word wrath here does not mean rage, impulsive anger, losing your temper or passionate anger. That's the wrath we know. I'm sure to a certain degree we've experienced it both as a recipient of that kind of wrath and the other side maybe as the instigator or the giver of that wrath to others. It is that kind of wrath is painful, it is destructive and out of control. But the wrath of God that's mentioned here is not that wrath. Instead, the word used here means, the wrath of God, the word 
used here means to grow ripe, to ripen. It is, in a sense, it is building up over a long period of time. See, God is not impulsive. He is never out of control. He does not lose his temper. So when we go back to verse 5, this wrath that is building up over a long period of time towards judgment day. But we also see another way the wrath of God is revealed, which also shows us the real source of sin as well. But this again puts us in a very difficult situation. Remember Romans chapter 1, verse 24, it says, Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to the impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. We see that because man did not want to honor God, to obey God, or to respond to God, God gave man the freedom to pursue his passion, his desire, and his own gods. Therefore, because of that, man now will have to face the consequences of his own doing. I remember an atheist friend posted in Facebook many years, a few years ago, something that he posted that went something like this. How can God allow all this evil to exist? How can he allow bad things to happen to good people? How can I believe in a God like that? I read it, passed through it saying, well, here he goes again. But after a while, I just couldn't ignore it. I felt like I really had to say something. So I went back and forth whether I should do it or not for quite a while. Because normally... I wouldn't answer or wouldn't debate or wouldn't challenge anybody's thoughts on social media because it's a no-win situation. But that time, I really felt I had to say something. So I said something to the effect that said this. After man makes a choice to reject God, remove God, and ignore God. Now man blames him for the consequences of their actions and decisions. A few minutes later, I no longer saw the post. So as man insists to go on his own, as he demands his freedom from God, God, giving, God gave him the liberty to pursue his lust and the consequence of it. This is the wrath of God revealed as well. So I realize that the consequences many of us face in our lives is not because God is judging every sin that we commit. But it's really just the consequences of our life that we chose as we run away from God or live a life apart from God. So there's no direct connection to any certain groups, sin or wrongdoing causing the difficulty and the challenges we face 
that we face today. But it's really just a, it's really a consequence of man's years of walking life on his own apart from God. I bring a little of last week because that's the starting context of chapter 2. In verse 1, it says, therefore. It starts with the word therefore. So when you see the word therefore, then what is it therefore? See, Paul is simply saying sin is really in your heart. You don't really have a desire to honor God. You don't have a desire to obey Him or have faith in Him. In verse 12 of chapter 2, Paul also says, For for all have sinned without the law, will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the laws. He was saying all have sinned with the law or without the law. Sin is really in man's heart. So, conclusion is, therefore, you don't have the right to judge. When you judge others, you actually condemn yourself. Why? Because you may be clean in one area, but you are, or we are, just as much a rebel in other areas. Just going through this week has been gut-wrenching, seeing the judgments being thrown everywhere. It's amazing. You see judgments expressed in anger, judgments with insults, judging the government, judging different leaders, judging health workers, judging ordinary helpless people, judging the police and the military, judging, cursing, condemning. Paul said, Do you suppose, O man, you who judge, who practice such things, and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Verse 5 says this as well. But because of your heart, impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. The reality is only God has the right to judge because only God is right. Now this looks very bleak for us. This looks like a dead end for us. This looks like a hopeless case for us. And that's what I really felt many times in the past as I read these scriptures. And until I noticed verse 4 that said, Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? All we have talked about has to be seen in a totally different context than what I used before. I realize that the wrath of God, the judgment of God, is actually the expression of the kindness of God. Let us look at who God is in the midst of this painful, scary, difficult reality we are in. Let's go back to verse 4. Who is God in the midst of the challenges we are facing? Who is God in the midst of the wrath? that we see that's being revealed. Who is God in the midst or on the day of judgment that we will meet? Interestingly, I want to share three things with us today. And the first is this. 
two words. Richness of His kindness. The richness of God's kindness. Notice the Apostle Paul brings this picture of God in the midst of this dreaded conversation and reality. Paul puts his abundant, his abundantly, this abundantly, exceedingly good, benevolent kind of God right in the midst of our desperate and hopeless reality. Rich kindness, meaning abounding above human situations. This is difficult for me to understand. I can only see snippets of it around us. I know I'm a sinner, yet I have been forgiven and blessed. Only the kindness of God can do that. I see it in many other lives as well, with my friends, with my family, and in people I get to read about how their life has been changed from where it came from. Only the kindness of God can do that. I see it in Scripture as well, seeing God rescuing and protecting and blessing rebellious, insignificant people. As amazing as these testimonies are, the rich kindness of God is higher than any of that. For a moment, I'd like to ask all of us to close our eyes. Imagine the best, richest kindness of God that you can imagine. And the richness of God's kindness is more than any of that. Or imagine the worst situation yesterday, today, and even tomorrow you will ever be in or face. The good news is that it's not beyond the kindness of God. Not even close. God's rich kindness is a reality even in our direst situations. And as you look around us today in, this, in the midst of these difficulty and challenges, the kindness of God is a reality in our midst today. The second thing I want us to see is forbearance and patience. I remember many years ago, I was helping out a friend in a difficult situation. I had been working on this situation for quite a while with the help of others as well. In the middle of all this, I was already being doubted and questioned because there were some who were saying, I'm probably biased because I'm uh, helping a friend. At some point of this, in the midst of all this, my wife gave birth. And in the mid, in, during that time, I couldn't be as engaged in the situation as I wanted to. So after two days, we went home from the hospital, tired, uh, but excited and 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 really blessed with God's new blessing to us. And I get this phone call from my friend and telling me and show and, and telling me and showing me how I don't care and that I'm not doing anything. In the midst of the tiredness, in the midst of all the work that was been that has been done uh, the past months, at that point I just lost it. My forbearance down the drain. I think I said things in retaliation with the hurt and the offense I was feeling. 
I could not take it anymore. I could not hold out anymore. My reaction could no longer be delayed. I lost it. See, forbearance means a delaying, a suspension of punishment. Patience means long-suffering, holding out till the completion or till holding out to the end. Think about this. Man has rebelled against God for generations. Man has insulted, accused, and demanded from God for millenniums. Man has maligned, rejected, and removed God from their, from their homes, from their lives, from their cities, from the nations, different places, removing God from different institutions. They, won't, they don't want God to be involved in any part of their lives for centuries. Man has dishonored God, taken his glory, and claimed his wisdom time and time again. Yet God has remained patient and forbearing. In the midst of this crisis in our world, we have practically seen everything about man. We have seen the evil in man's heart, the anger, the greed, the bitterness, the rebelliousness. We've also seen small pockets of good in man, the sacrifice, the compassion, the servant's heart, the heart for God. I pray that we see more of this. In the midst of all this is the rich kindness, forbearance, and patience of God. In the midst of all this, God has never been out of control, never exploded in anger. We are actually living under God's forbearance and patience. And in the midst of man's rebellion, think about this. Jesus came down to earth to journey to the cross. God raises him on the third day so that you and I can experience and embrace this third thing we want to talk about, repentance and salvation. Scripture says, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Wow! That's the whole point. God never intended, never planned that we stay or end up in His wrath. His judgment was never intended to be our destination. All this time, the past, the present, the future for man, God's intention was for man to get out, to change directions, to change our lives, to give us the time to make this change so we don't end up in His wrath, but we end up in repentance and salvation. Today is the day to get out of this rut. Today is the day to walk away from the pointless pursuits that never satisfies. Today is the day to leave behind emptiness created by pursuing and accumulating things. Today is the day to resist the fear that today has brought and the fear that tomorrow stirs up. Today is the day we can go above the limitations of this life and take on the supernatural abundant life in Christ. Today is the day we can embrace the gospel. And as it said in our first week, 
the gospel, the power of God to them that believe. The richness of God's kindness leads us to the powerful life that God has for us. What an amazing God we serve. It is our desire, it is our prayer that we see the kindness of God even in the midst of the difficulty we are facing right now. Because God never intended for man to live under his wrath. Instead, God intended that man lives under the power of the gospel. Can we just pray? Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, though we live in difficult times, though we live in, we might even say painful times, though we may live in confusing times, though fear surrounds us, Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that all around us, Lord God, is your kindness, your forbearance, and your patience. Lord, you don't want anyone to perish. You don't want anyone to be beaten down by this. You want us. You want everyone. You paid the price for everyone to be able to experience your salvation, your compassion, to be able to live under your graciousness, to enjoy a life of faith in relationship with you. If you are one who has not experienced the kindness of God, I want to pray with you right now. If you are one who has not embraced the gospel, the power of God to them that believe, the salvation of God that saves us from sin, and that saves us from a world that's trying to destroy us. And today you're saying, Lord, I want to live under your kindness. I want to experience your graciousness. I want to embrace the good news, the power of God. Can I just pray with you? Can you just pray with me? Just follow after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the richness of your kindness that today I have this chance to turn around, to change where I am by embracing your gospel. Thank you for dying on the cross to pay for my sin. Lord, I repent for running my own life, for trying to make it on my own. And I pray and give my life to you right now. Lord, thank you for salvation that is in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to us. I pray that you would continue to experience God even in the midst of this difficulty. I pray that you would get to know God more and more. 
God bless you. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victorialamang.church.